Hi everyone, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest today. All will be revealed. Hattie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'll let you introduce yourself because I'll be honest, I'm still embarrassed about this. Why? Well, you introduce yourself and then I'll explain. Uh, my name's Hattie. Um, and I am your personal assistant. You are PA to Andy and I, and I mean, Andy's in the background. I don't know if you can hear him mumbling away to himself, but I have to deal with that all day, every day. Um, you can hear him trying not to laugh now. He'll probably sneeze in a minute. Um, so how do I explain this? I sound like a knob either way, really. If I, if I was to say to my family, I've got a PA, yeah, they would be like... <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? And then uh, if I was to say to one of my business mentors, uh, I've got a PA, they'd be like, well, it's about bloody time. Yeah. You've been running around like a blue ass fly for two years, booking things, doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, just, it's something that um, I'm having to work really hard on my mindset on the basis of I've got an assistant now, someone that like, yeah helps me do what I'm meant to be doing because whose voice can I hear is that David we can hear yeah I think so he's noisy isn't he <laughs> right anyway so what does what does what does Andy and Joel's PA do um I help assist you with your diary mm -hmm. um make sure your day runs smoothly yeah nothing clashes yeah um Booking tickets, trains, just keeping your life in order. Gatekeeper, Gatekeeper keeping people yeah. away. You haven't had to do that yet. No, not yet. I'm when, actually quite anxious about doing that. Like, no, stay when, away. So when your new desk comes, you'll be here. Oh, I'll get a desk? Yeah, yeah. Do I? Yeah. Oh, we've not told you this. No. So there's a desk on order in your own chair and stuff. I mean, just for the <laughs> listeners, you have got a desk and a chair now, but you have one nearer to us. Okay. But yeah, if someone calls up or one of the team wants us... They've got to get through you first. Nice. But I thought you were scared of that. I'm not scared, but I'm looking forward to it. It's exciting. I've got my own desk Did going up in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, desk. More merch. There's more merch more coming merch. for you. Hoodies. And oh, I like hoodie. Baseball cap. I, don't, I can't imagine you in a baseball cap. I'd wear one. You've got tremendous hair, so I feel like we'd be... Yeah, a hat on hair. What about in winter? What's your, what's your go-to Probably winter? a beanie. Okay. Okay, so anyway, point of having you on the podcast, you come from a broadcast journalism background, you yeah. went to UWE. Yes. Little known fact, or UWE, as, as the initiated yeah. call it, little known fact, they rejected me, didn't get in. Did they? Mm. Why did they reject? That's not fair. They wanted me to do a foundation degree first. Oh, no one wants to do that though. I didn't want to waste a year, was my logic. Yeah. Um, I did on. graphic design at university. So. Okay. Um, but... You landed this job because obviously you know stuff like podcasts. You yeah. understand that you're quite keen to learn more about video. Yeah. Um, you're obviously organised. You applied for you applied for a different job just to get your foot in the door, which was probably the best thing you could have done. Yeah. It, it, and uh, now I'm introducing you to the world on the podcast. Yeah. So no, don't be nervous. But we've got four thousand regular listeners. No pressure. Uh, <laughs> and. 
yeah, I think you've prepared some questions for me and I don't know what they are. And so I guess I mean, they might be completely the wrong sort of questions you're looking for, but I've got you questions anyway, just because that's fine. I'm here for a chat. Do it. <laughs> um, so when you were inter- interviewing for the role of personal assistant, what sort of qualities in like a person were you looking for? Like code break, code break attributes. Okay. So one of the tests that we do for every interview is can they find the building? Oh. Yeah, I know. That's... How many people do you think fail that? I wouldn't know. How did you find the building? I actually scouted it before I even came for my interview. Did you? So you were visiting your sister and thought, I'll just check out. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so that's what Fergus did. I think he might still be in the room. He scouted out. He still managed to find the wrong building. (laughs) Let's not... But he's, he got in, so that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'd say half at least don't find us and end up rigging us on the day to say... Can't find you. It's got easier because now it says code breaking massive letters in the window, but yeah. it never used it. But um, did anyone send you directions beforehand? Did um, they send you a Google link? I think did, yeah. yeah. I already looked you up before that point. I was a bit stalkerish, to be honest. What did you find out? Ah, just where you were, to be honest, that's all. Not a brilliant stalker. No. That sort of like, no. Isn't that like no. rule 101 of stalking? Yeah. Where are they? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter what type of employee, even Caitlin, the ops manager, can you find the building mm-hmm. is a test. And we do it with clients as well. If, if a client doesn't find us, it's a bit of a qualifier because we've got a pin on Google Maps. You should be able to follow that. Yeah. But, um, we wanted someone who, and this is an interesting one actually, because I said, have you had feedback on other interviews? And one of your interviews said to you, if you don't mind me saying, yeah, that you didn't come over very confident. Yeah. And we felt the absolute opposite. We were like, I, I wouldn't say you were like overly assertive, yeah. but you're not, you don't come across unconfident. No. So it was a bit, yeah, that's really me. I felt like it's a bit of a shock when they said that to me because I, I'm not normally unconfident. Like I feel quite like sure of myself, yeah. but that's what they said that they didn't feel. So I don't know. Yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I've, I feel like you're a confident young woman. Um, so the things we were really impressed with, we were impressed with your application. Um, you didn't have a bad answer in the interview. And when you didn't know something, you admitted it yeah. rather than tried to, Fluff it. Yeah, because it comes it's so obvious when people There's do that. There's nothing worse than it. No, but you like you can feel yourself squirm yeah. as you try and do it. So how did you feel your interview went? Uh I I enjoyed my interview. Yeah. Um and when I feel like I've enjoyed an interview, yeah. I feel like that's when they're more successful. Mm-hmm. But I just enjoyed my interview, that's what I felt. That's good. So you went away thinking there's a good chance there. Um, and we broke our own rules. We said we'd be in touch on the Monday and we were in touch on the Friday. Yeah, you did. So that, that was Andy. Yeah. He, was, he was excited to offer you the role. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of actual PA, we, we wanted someone who isn't just admin. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But that could kind of come and understand the ethos of code break, understand that um, not only do they need to keep tabs on me and Andy and control what we're doing and what we shouldn't be doing, which was a big one we've talked to you about, yeah. which you'll learn over time, but also can hold their own. Like we want you to have your own personality within this business. We want you to be someone that when um, people get in touch with code break and 
they get a reply from you or or they get a text message from you that they're like, yeah, oh, it's Hattie, cool. I wonder what this is about. And some some assistant roles, some PA roles, some admin roles don't allow for that. They're almost like a Rottweiler yeah. character. Okay. And that's not what we want. We want someone who can be one of the faces of the business and people are excited to receive messages from or when you yeah. answer the phone they're like oh yeah you're you're their assistant aren't you how do i get on a call with them and you, yeah. you'll know the script to okay be like well if you want to talk to them about this this is i'll get you booked in when and we can help you do that and um other people that we spoke to we felt weren't dynamic enough to do that is that dynamic yeah you you felt quite dynamic <laughs> I don't know how I'm dynamic. <laughs> no, I just I just think like you weren't there was nothing we didn't really throw there was nothing we threw at you in the interview that I felt you were like worried by. Okay. And it, and even in your first two days here, I haven't felt like anything has really flustered you. No. Yeah. There's sure, still time. Yeah, I'm sure things will. Yeah. As they should. <laughs> but it was like, okay, yeah, considering this is your first big role out of uni. Yeah. It, yeah you had the right answers and in the right place yeah. does that answer the question yeah it does cool thank you um so what else do i have um if i ha okay i've got a marketing sort of question yeah. for you so if i had like a small instagram business i don't know if that would be something that you did but if i had a small instagram business would you say it likes relevant with when you're like posting to try okay so what's the business so say you're selling clothes. Clothes, okay. So like kind of uh, a micro-influencer who maybe sells vintage clothes, something yeah. like that. Okay. Um, so what's really important with, with likes is engagement is, is massively important in terms of um, if you get high engagement, it means that your audience um, relates to the content that you're putting out. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you get sales. So, how do I politely say this without offending people? I don't think you can say this without offending people. So, there are very good-looking people on Instagram yeah. who can get loads and loads of engagement, yeah. but it doesn't shift the needle on their business. Okay. Um, equally, there are some very good-looking people on Instagram who can get loads of engagement, and it does shift the needle on their business. So, the difference being the... Um, the intent behind the post. Yeah. So you will have friends who post a picture of themselves on holiday. It gets loads of engagement, but they don't get any messages about how it was your holiday. You'll have other friends who post pictures about their holiday, but perhaps say, oh, we went on a tour of a vineyard today. And then they get messages about, oh, how was the vineyard? Blah, 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 blah. And, and that's kind of the same in business. So um you almost have to direct your audience to what you want them to do yeah that doesn't mean you sell to them all the time but if you want them to go and check out your range you're not saying to them i want you to buy now that might come later mm -hmm. whereas some of the influences influences you see on instagram will say oh dress by versace okay. and they'll tag in versace yeah. and it'll say sponsored sponsored link or they'll say you know dressed by Gucci and what's going on there is 
is a different, that's a positioning piece. I don't think a small Instagram business can survive with with position the vanity metrics, the positioning piece, the bit that makes people go, oh, I remember you because you got loads of likes. They need to be a bit more direct. Yeah. So an example that happened, this happened a long time ago before I was even in business on my own. When the film, do you know the film Drive with Ryan Gosling? No. Okay. Okay. Well, it was a big film about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and in it, he wears leather driving gloves. Yeah. Now, nobody wears driving gloves anymore. It's no. not a thing. But um, a small local business that I know in Shropshire posted saying, have you seen Drive? We've got very similar gloves to the one Ryan wears when he drives the getaway car. Okay. I mean, I'm sure it worded better than that. <laughs> but their uplifting sales on the driving gloves was huge because they'd found something relevant, yeah. used it as leverage, and explained that they got it. Yeah. But never did they say, like, buy our gloves, they're like Ryan's. So it was... Um, <laughs> And that is what the owner of that business sounds like, actually. <laughs> um, so, so there was ways and means. That obviously, they got loads of engagement on that post, so the vanity metrics were really high. Yeah. But, but there was intent. Okay. There was a clear path, a clear route. And I think what we're seeing is a, is a generation of people who think that you can be, as long as you're good at Instagram, you'll be successful. And that's not true. There's good at Instagram for vanity and there's yeah. good at Instagram for sanity and uh, yeah. there's a slight difference. Okay. Okay. And um, so how would you narrow your target audience? Okay. Do you have to start with a specific goal? So nine out of 10 businesses that approach code break are way too broad okay. on their targeting, mm-hmm. way too broad. And the reason they're broad on their targeting is they're too scared to narrow. So they'll be like, Oh, but they might buy. Yeah, yeah. The fear of cutting people out. So, well, they might buy. So, why would I exclude them? And it's like, okay, we'll rephrase that. They might not buy. So, why would you include them? Yeah. And your niching, your target audience should be the people most likely to buy, not the people that might buy. Okay. So, on a really loose level, Man United don't try and sell Man United shirts to non-Man United fans. Yeah. That's. (laughs) But. There is plenty of people out there that collect football shirts. Yeah. It's just not their target audience. So they'll get peripheral sales on people who are like, oh, I visited Old Trafford and I bought a Man United shirt as a football tourist, but not their target audience. No. Um, On an entirely like different level, uh, if you sell rusks, so, you know, baby biscuits, the rusks, guess who they're aimed at? Babe, well, parents. Yeah, parents. They're aimed, they're aimed at mums. Definitely, they're aimed at mums. Yeah. And although I guarantee you there are people in the world that eat rusks when they're no longer a baby. Yeah. So rusks have gone, well, we are... Do you aimed. eat them? Rusks? Yeah. No. No, you just... Just because I said it. Yeah. Because I, mean, I guarantee you. Yeah. I mean, I remember them being really nice. I'm not going to... Uh, they are nice. I've been eating them recently because I've got young nieces and nephews. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so, but they're not aimed at you. But no. they're kind of... But but also, they're not, like, aimed at... Then the niching gets tighter. So then they're not aimed at parents with no disposable income because those parents will buy the budget version. They're not aimed at people with, like, insane money who've got personal chefs who yeah. will 
<laughs> bake biscuits for their babies. Yeah. And so the niching gets tighter. And then like when you get to something like Cobrake, we want to work with hungry business owners with the attitude for growth. Yeah. That's our niche. Okay. And when we get away from that is when we start to have problems. So sometimes we get businesses approaches that I just want to maintain. I want to stay at the level I'm at now. Okay. Well, standard still is a dangerous goal because you can only achieve it or go backwards. Yeah. Um, because growth is a problem for them too. So that, an example of that might be uh, a barber who never intends to employ. They've only got a finite amount of capacity. So all they can do is put their prices up or stay the same. Yeah. We can't work with somebody like that. Um, another example might be business that is willing to take massive losses with a view to a sale four years down the line. So like a blue chip company, a Facebook might do that or an Uber. Yeah. Again, very difficult for us to work with business like that because our whole mantra is marketing that sells and generating leads that can further down the line be converted into sales. So that's how we niche. Um, but... Equally, if you're, I talked about Carpenter and Joiner on last week's podcast, but if you're a Carpenter and Joiner, that's a really broad trade. You yeah. could make windows, you could make doors, you could make cupboards, you could make tables, you could make chairs, you could make bookcases, you could make, what do you think they're called, Alcatraz? Yeah. Um, or you might make little wooden side tables, you might make coasters, it could be a number of things, so... Why wouldn't you become the carpenter that makes oak dining tables and just do that? Okay. And then you can niche. because Get really you, good at that. Yeah, specific. really good at that specific. And also it makes your audience easier. So then you're like, right, who can afford an oak dining table, a solid oak dining table? Yeah. Who can afford an artisan solid oak dining table? Who can afford an artisan solid oak dining table and would want one and lives in the sort of property that requires one so chances are they live in a rural property because it goes with the aesthetic of the building so then you start to really get tight on who you're after converse to that so my, my dad's a carpenter and joiner and his approach to marketing well I, don't know, I remember when i was growing up was throw as much shit at the wall and see what sticks yeah so he would say yes to everything and end up trying to help people out with jobs that he shouldn't really be doing. And mm -hmm. he never, ever actually went to work and enjoyed a day's work where he did his craft. He ended up, you know, changing light bulbs for Mrs. Jones. And then the next day he was cleaning out the drains for someone else. Yeah. And the next day he was strengthening the roof for someone else. And then one day uh, when he was ill, actually, he took some time and he made a bookcase for my mum when my parents were still together. And that's the most at peace I'd ever seen him in my entire childhood yeah because he was applying his craft oh. to someone who would appreciate it yeah and if you take that approach to business business becomes a lot easier yeah and then you like enjoy what you do yeah well. yeah like like cobra's motto is uh, help people and have fun yeah and the easy thing for us is to get stuck in helping people and forgetting to have fun so yeah. you need both okay and would you say there's specific ways to market for different target audiences? Yeah. So we're very confident here that you can near enough reach everybody with Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, because for the uninitiated, Facebook ads serve on Facebook, they serve on WhatsApp, they serve on Instagram, and they serve on Audience Network, which makes up a huge amount of the internet. So sometimes if you were reading the Daily Mail or the Times or the Sun, the ads that serve there are actually Facebook ads. Okay. You just wouldn't know. Um, but that might not be the best place to 
get to your customer. So that I talked to Andy before about um, some simple marketing techniques that people forget. Mm-hmm. So Greg's, the bakers, used to pump out the smell of fresh bread. Did they? From okay. their outlets before they had loads and they became franchised and stuff. Yeah. So they used to pump out the smell of fresh bread. And I think Subway did it at one point too. Yeah. But the whole point being, it was, it's marketing. You yeah. could be at the other end of There's town. a perfume and, shop that does that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and if you go into Lush, the... Oh, you can smell that for miles yeah, away. Yeah, So they're all using these different techniques to, to attract people. And it depends on who your audience is and, and what environment you're going to market to them in. So I know if you were a pie maker, yeah. if you pumped out the smell of hot pies at a football match, that is the single best piece of marketing you'll ever do. Yeah. No one does that. No. There's a tip. <laughs> um, but if you are having a jumble sale, the way you would promote a jumble sale is very different to the way you would promote a high-end corporate solicitor so high-end corporate solicitor probably would see quite a bit of success on linkedin maybe some success with facebook ads certainly some success with google ads but it would be no good them leafleting the local village yeah whereas got a jumble sale on you leaflet the local village yeah but that's that's something that varies depending on what you do so a football club Mm -hmm. man united for example they can do massive, massive marketing campaigns linked around their star players. So they could have Ronaldo or Pogba in the kit on massive billboards. And that will help Nike sell lots of shirts or lots of gear or Adidas, well, it's Adidas now, actually. Adidas or lots of shirts or lots of gear, or it might help sell the football that's featured in that image. Shrewsbury Town, my team, can't do that. No. It won't have that impact. So they have to be smart about what they do. So they do small... Twitter campaigns, small Instagram campaigns, they probably don't do much paid advertising at all because they don't have that expertise, which is where they would speak to somebody like us, I wish. Um, But they could, for example, have a look at uh, expired season tickets. So people who've previously been season ticket holders for five years who no longer own a season ticket, and they could build a campaign purely aimed at turning them back into season ticket holders so i don't know we've improved the view we've improved the seating we've improved the food we've improved the crowd experience i mean number one they need to improve the players on the pitch but that's that's, so you can you can be really smart um and like let's say you're a bridal shop you want to use advertising that allows you to target people who've recently got engaged yeah so that might not be advertising in the local magazine. That might not be advertising in the local newspaper. It definitely would be advertising on Facebook because you can target people whose relationship status has changed from yeah. single to engaged. Okay. So, yeah, there's no one-size-fits-all. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I've got a couple more. Do it. Um, so I think your one of your things, your mottos or something, is to, like read and learn or like learn. read and lead yeah you gotta learn these off by heart read and lead what are you reading at the moment and what have you learned from it okay <laughs> um so i'm reading no more mr nice guy at the moment is okay. the book i'm reading and it's i've talked about this on the podcast before but it's about not helping all the people all of the time okay so 
something I have issues with, and I know Andy's talked about this as well, is my main driver is I really, really want to help people. Yeah. But I have to check myself and make sure I'm helping the right people. Mm-hmm. And something I really struggle with is not everybody deserves your help. Yeah. Um, so I've got people in my life, professional and personal, who will take my help and keep taking my help but never sort out the fundamental issue that they've got. Okay. So they're relying on me to patch it up all the time. Okay. When the reality is if they just bloody sorted it out. Yeah. But they prefer it that way. They'd rather put the strain on me. Mm-hmm. If someone won't help themselves, I can't help them. No. Um, and that's a lesson I'm working really hard on. The other thing it talks about is that saying no to people and... Also, knowing when to say yes is a real skill. Okay. Um, and, I, and I can apply that in business in, in a number of ways. So as a business owner, and our listeners will know this, um, if a client says jump, you're, you're desperate to say how, how high. Yeah. But the reality is you should look at what package you agreed with them, mm-hmm. what's in the scope of your work, okay. and then whether helping them this bit more gives you the chance of working with them for a longer period or actually you should just say well of course we can do that here's the quote yeah um and if you've got my mindset sometimes you make the mistake of just helping them and worrying about it later Mm -hmm. and that's not not a healthy way to grow a business so i have to you know i've got staff to think about i've got business part to think about and at some point you have to put some barriers in place and ultimately I want to spend more time with my wife and if I keep saying yes to other people and trying to help people I'm letting her down yeah and if I'm letting her down I'm letting myself down and so that's that's what that was a long answer for that question (laughs) (laughs) um and I've got one more who is your role model or who are your role models who are my role models oh so my hero is Muhammad Ali um and there's a quote on the wall there. Weirdly, Andy's hero is also Muhammad Ali, but I didn't know that when I chose that quote. Okay. Um, so if you didn't know, I designed the office. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, So the quote says, impossible is not a fact, it's an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration, it's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Um, and when I'm in, when I'm my best self, I don't, let anything stop me. Yeah. And I can always pull back on that quote. And I loved Muhammad Ali growing up. My my granddad showed me loads of Muhammad Ali videos as a kid and it just really resonated with me. And I saw this guy who uh, fought against adversity, fought for what he believed in. And it was weird. I'm, I'm like a kid from Shropshire. It's very difficult to relate to a black Muslim American man. And... um. And it hit, but it hit home so hard. And I was like, how can someone who perceivably is so different to me have such a strong effect on me? And he really did. Yeah. Uh, So I've always had posters of him, all that kind of thing. Um, So he's a big one. And then I guess like probably good to have like a business or a marketing one for for someone who runs a marketing (laughs) company. Um, I, and this, I've got two. uh, When I was at university, I had a lecturer called Bill who said to me one day you'll never be a graphic designer oh I, like, I hate it when I people, like, of course I can ouch I've got, now, I got first in my graphic design degree and in my head that meant I'd made it as a graphic designer and uh, 
but he was right. He knew that I would want to take those skills and combine it with like analytical skills yeah. and uh, and push it further than I, than I thought I could. Yeah. In in the design sort of space, and uh, at the time it really hurt me. But yeah, now I look back at that moment and I think, oh, he was he he spotted this before okay. I did. That's interesting. Uh, and and I often think back to a lot of lessons I had with him, and he was like really old school and a bit scary and. Actually, in hindsight, it did me a lot of good. He, yeah. he was a guy I should have probably spent more time with. Yeah. Um, and then um, I listened to a lot of Robin Sharma. So mm-hmm. he's a, a like a life mentor, business coach guy, a success coach, I'd probably say. Okay. Uh, but everything he does is about being mindful and present and doing things from a place of calm and like – one of the things he talks about is you shouldn't make decisions when you're sad, but equally you shouldn't make decisions when you're happy because either way they are skewed by your state of mind. Yeah. Um, and that's been really grounding for me. It kind of just really good in terms of making business decisions and yeah. Yeah. How's that? Who's your role model? Um, obviously I'm going to go for a cheesy one and say my dad. Oh, not Andy. <laughs> No. Okay. Not, Your dad, uh, yeah. My okay. dad, yeah. Um, he's a strong businessman himself. Okay. Um, and he, I just aspire to be his. So, what's your dad's business? Um, he is a facade engineer. Okay. Um, and he does like the outside skins of buildings. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Amazing. So he can tra- he can like transform a building from looking terrible to looking amazing well it did backfire once because of grenfell yeah um but he luckily was not involved with it and was actually telling another company to like not use the materials that we're using so my dad's like trying to change like the business world in a more positive way yeah telling people to what materials are safe and not safe to use and how to make a concrete to... building look good whilst not being yeah. flammable yeah. yeah basically yeah but um, okay he has I'm so what would be like the key qualities of your dad that make him uh he's determined okay um he he always just like he would do he always has a mindset he will do something it's not oh if i do it it's like i will do it so i find that really quite, respect that yeah. yeah um and he's firm but fair firm but fair yeah cool nice so, I'll drop you in it now. How, how does someone get in touch? How does... With my dad? No, no, with, with Co-Break. They can get in touch with your dad about building facades if they want. But yeah. if someone's been listening to the Stay Hungry podcast, how do they get in touch? To Co-Break? Yeah. Uh, phone us up and talk to me. Yeah, that's one. Um, email. Yeah. Um, Visit the website. Website. Cobreak.co.uk. Yeah. Buy the book. It's on Amazon. Yeah. You've got a free copy. I do. I've yep. got my own copy. Um, that'll probably do. Or you'll see one of our adverts because we're everywhere. Yeah. Nice one. How's the podcast been? First one. I've enjoyed it. Cool. All right, guys. Catch you again.